0: From laypeople to high-profile pastors, more and more self-proclaimed Christians are walking away from the faith. Is it just a trend or the fulfillment of prophecy? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks at the deconstructionist movement and its connection to end times prophecy. From Where Do We Go From Here, let's join David for his message, A Theological Prophecy,
1: The Falling Away. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have just joined us for the first time in the last several days, we're in the middle of a series called Where Do We Go From Here? How Tomorrow's Prophecies Foreshadow Today's Problems. The series began when I started to get all these questions about what was happening in our world today, and I was quite shocked at how many things are happening that are in um, the purview of prophetic truth. So I wrote this book, And the book is called, Where Do We Go From Here? And it is now available in bookstores everywhere, and it is available from Turning Point for a gift of any size. What we would like to do is encourage you to make a gift to help us do what we do in sharing the Word of God around the world. And then we'd like to say thank you with this hardcover book that's just been released, 240 pages of teaching that you will be listening to today and whatever days you're able to listen going forward. We believe this is truth that is very important for our time, and I want you to have this book so that you will have some answers to your questions. One person said to me after they read the manuscript, they said, Dr. Jeremiah, uh, this is the answer to questions I always wanted to ask somebody, but I didn't know who to ask. Well, I'm not sure we have all the answers, but we have biblical answers, and I'm sure they will be helpful to you, and it's meant to be an encouragement to your life. Once again, send your gift to Turning Point during the month of October and ask for your copy of the book, Where Do We Go From Here? also want to remind you that at the end of this year, we will be taking our annual Caribbean Conference cruise, and we're leaving December 30th and coming back on the 8th of January. We'll have Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega, all of our musicians. I'll be teaching from the Word of God, and we'll have a great time saying goodbye to the old year and hello to the new one. We've done this many times. It's one of our favorite things. We'd like to invite you to come along. You'll enjoy it. It's a great way to reflect on what God has done for you in the year past and to set your goals for what you hope He will do for you in the year in the future. So the Caribbean Conference Cruise, there's a brochure on our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. We can send one to you if you'd like. We hope you will make your decision to come with us. Well, let's begin our discussion of the falling away. I'm pretty sure that this will be kind of new to a lot of folks because I haven't heard this discussed. I've known about it. I've read it. I've studied it in the past, but I really studied it for this book, and I hope that it will help you understand what Paul was writing to the Thessalonians when he made this comment. Imagine writing your first book at the age of 22 and watching it land on a bestsellers list everywhere. A few years ago that happened to an American pastor. His book conveyed biblical advice about love and relationship and it encouraged thousands of young people to make better choices. This pastor became known for his speaking and writing and counseling as well as for nearly two decades of pastoral ministry in a local church. Yet somehow and somewhere during those years, his own relationship with God evaporated. In 2019, he announced his marriage had come to an end. Then, in a follow-up post on Instagram, he disclosed an even deeper divorce. He wrote, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, he wrote, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there's a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I am not there now. Now, that probably touches you in some way, but it cuts me to the heart, because I am a pastor, and this is happening to more pastors than I've ever seen before. Many others seem to be falling away from Christ and his gospel. I saw a recent op-ed with this title, Everyone is Leaving Christianity and Nobody Knows Where They're Going. This departure from biblical faith is happening so often that there's a new word that's been coined. These defectors are no longer evangelicals, they're ex evangelicals Why is that and what is that all about? Well, the falling away is not a new phenomenon. Throughout history, there have been many who have taken up the banner of Christ only to lay it down again. Even the first generation of Christians faced challenges like this. Have you ever heard about a guy named Demas? (laughs) When Paul wrote to the Colossians and to Philemon, he sent them greetings from his co-worker Demas, who was at his side. In 2 Timothy 4.10, he described him like this. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. There's another book in the Bible that's devoted to this topic. It's the little book, Jude. I always love to tell people about Jude and tempt them to ask me what chapter. Because if you ask me what chapter, I know you have read the Bible. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude. So when you say Jude, you just give verse numbers. You don't give chapter numbers. This book was written by our Lord's half-brother, the son of Joseph and Mary. And in only 25 verses, Jude reminds us that some of the angels themselves fell away from their allegiance to God. Did you hear that? I'm almost hesitant to say it, but it's true. A third of the angels left their first estate and walked away from God, who had created them as angels of light. I'm almost hesitant to read Christian news sites these days, because it seems like every time I do, I read or hear of somebody else who's walked away from their faith. Recent headlines are not encouraging, and neither are the statistics. There are more than 72 million millennials in America, almost one quarter of our population. An increasingly large percentage of that generation has walked away from faith of any kind choosing to identify themselves as religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S. When you check on the questionnaire, are you a Baptist, are you a Presbyterian, are you a Charismatic, are you a Catholic, and the bottom part says none of the above, that's where they all check, none of the above. In 2008, researchers noted that close to a third of all millennials described themselves as religiously unaffiliated. And just 10 years later, that number had grown to 42%. And there are more troubling numbers. Church membership in America has suffered a decades-long decline. No matter what you hear from church growth experts about the explosion of the church, let me give you the truth. When Gallup first measured U.S. church membership in 1937, the number came in at 73%. In early 1980s, more than 70% of American adults were church members. In the year 2000, it was 65%. By 2010, it was 59%. And now less than half of Americans, 47%, belong to the local church. And there are corresponding declines in regular church attendance. That's not a good sign. That's not a good study. That's not a good trend. But the core issue here isn't even people falling away from the church or falling away from faith. We're talking in this lesson about falling away from Jesus himself. These are people who have, and these words are stark, trampled the Son of God underfoot, treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and insulted the spirit of grace. Judas Iscariot is the poster child for all of this. He's the best example in the Bible of someone falling away from Christ. Listen to this. He was one of the 12 of Jesus' inner circle of disciples. He had the perfect light He had the perfect example. He had the perfect evidence. And for some three years he lived with truth incarnate and life incarnate, and he turned his back on the one who is truth and life. One of our Lord's twelve disciples did that. So did a pastor here in California. After several instances of publicly criticizing the Bible's view on sexuality, this man was asked to resign from his church. He also lost his teaching position at two Christian universities. As a result, he decided to live for a year without God. In his words, he planned to try on atheism as a New Year's resolution. For the next 12 months I will live as if there is no God, he wrote. I will not pray, read the Bible for inspiration, refer to God as the cause of things, or hope that God might intervene and change my own or someone else's circumstances. At the end of his experiment, he officially rejected his lifelong belief, declaring on national public radio, I do not think that God exists. Again, this man didn't just simply fall away from the church. He didn't fall away from his faith. He chose to abandon his Savior, and he was left with nothing except atheism, which literally is faith in nothing. If Jude were alive today— he would take notice, and so should we. What does this mean? What does this mean to us? When I was getting started in ministry, however many years ago that I choose not to reveal, apostasy was a hot topic. And you know what they thought it was? There, well, there was the apostasy of long hair on men and short skirts on women. And there was the apostasy of dancing and going to movies. And there was the apostasy of having fellowship with other Christians who did not perfectly line up with all of your personal convictions. Sometime after going to seminary, I found out what apostasy really was. And I found it to be something way more deadly than anything I had mentioned above. In fact, true apostasy is far more deadly than all of them put together. To be clear, apostasy is not the same thing as atheism. By apostasy, which is the New Testament word for falling away, I'm not referring to people in general who reject Christianity or deny the truth of the gospel. That's not what this is all about. Apostasy doesn't reflect the rise of atheism in and of itself, nor does it apply to everyone who chooses religious systems other than Christianity. Instead, the concept of falling away has a narrower focus. It applies specifically to apparent Christians, to those who claim to follow Jesus, but then turn their backs on him. Here is the best definition I have found for this term. This comes from the writing of John Walvoord, the former president of Dallas Seminary. He said the Greek word for apostasy is found only twice in the New Testament, Acts twenty one twenty one and Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. And the word means a falling away from, a deserting or a turning from a position formerly held. Spiritual apostasy occurs when a person who once claimed to be a believer departs from what he formerly professed to believe. An apostate is not one who was saved and lost his salvation. An apostate, though having claimed to be a believer, never was saved in the first place. Every apostate is an unbeliever. But not every unbeliever is an apostate. Here's what I mean. There are many people who have never heard about the gospel. They wouldn't know the gospel from anything. So they can't be apostate. They can't walk away from something they never heard of before. They are unbelievers because they have not heard. But an apostate is well acquainted with the gospel. He knows more than enough to be saved, but he walks away from it anyway. And the sun also rises Ernest Hemingway said, there are two ways to go bankrupt, gradually and then suddenly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the same with spiritual bankruptcy. We drift away gradually, and then suddenly we're out in the cold. Why am I talking about this theme of falling away? Why should I even bring it up? It seems sort of extraneous to some of you, wondering where is he going with this? because the proliferation of apostasy is an important but overlooked often piece to the end times puzzle. As we know from Scripture, one of the signs of the end times is a rising number of self-proclaimed Christians who ultimately reject Christ. Let me show you where that is in the Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Here's what the Word of God says. Now, Brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now listen carefully. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is indeed a prophecy about tomorrow that has implications for us today. This falling away that Paul is writing about is not just some gradual defection from the church. Paul calls this the falling away, like it's a specific thing at a specific time at a specific moment. Paul calls this departure from the faith. And it will happen according to the scripture during what we call the tribulation period. Now, most of you know enough about prophecy to know there's some general things you should be aware of. First of all, the next thing that's going to happen in the future is the rapture of the church. The Bible says that the Lord is going to descend and take to heaven those who have put their trust in him. And that can happen any time. There's no signs for that. It could happen before we say amen at the end of this service. We could go to heaven before we go home and that would be all right because we'd really be home then. Amen? (laughs) So you don't have to worry about that. You say, well, what has got to happen before Jesus comes to get us? Not one thing. He can come any time. After the rapture, when the saints are all gone on this earth, The Bible teaches there's gonna be a period of seven years of tribulation. This will be literally hell on earth. And it's divided into two sections, three and a half years, the first part of the tribulation. And the last part, the last three and a half years is called the great tribulation. Now, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, in the tribulation period, there's going to be a great falling away, a great defection from the faith. Now let's just suppose that this is not something that happens until the middle of the tribulation. I don't believe that's true, but let's just give ourselves a little wiggle room here. Let's say that this falling away doesn't happen until halfway through the tribulation period. That would be three and a half years. And let's remember that the tribulation commences immediately after the rapture of the church. Watch this. And let's not forget that the rapture could happen at any moment and that the tribulation is a period of seven years, so that the middle of the tribulation is just three and a half years. If all those things are true and they are, the falling away could happen within our lifetime. If Jesus came back today, it would happen within three and a half years. So this isn't just something way out in the future that we don't have to be concerned about. It could happen and it could start happening before we go to heaven. It won't fully completely happen until we're in heaven, but it could start happening before then. The Christians in Thessalonica were facing this kind of persecution, so they believed the last days were upon them and they were troubled, and we should be troubled when we go through trouble, right? That's part of it. But Paul wrote this letter to them to say, look, don't be soon troubled because the falling away hasn't happened yet, so you're not in the tribulation. If you're in the tribulation, the falling away would have happened, but it hasn't happened. That hasn't happened for us yet either. You know, I sometimes hear people talk about how before Jesus comes back, we're gonna have this great worldwide revival. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Before Jesus comes back, we're gonna have this great worldwide revival. Well, I hope we do, but there's not anything in the Bible about that. Somebody got their wires mixed when they started teaching that because that's not true. You know what is in the Bible? In the Bible, it says there's going to be a great defection from the faith before Jesus comes back. And there is going to be a revival in the tribulation period. You know why? 144,000 Jewish witnesses are going to be let loose on the earth. If you can't get a revival with that, there's no hope. And two witnesses, two special witnesses are going to do miraculous things. And the Bible says that thousands will come to Christ during the tribulation period, but not before we go to heaven. Could there be a great awakening? I believe there could be, and I pray that there would be every day because that will just give us a few more years to preach the gospel. Sometimes I think we might be on the edge of it, and then sometimes I think it's so far away you'll never see it. But what I want you to know is this. While the scripture does not prophesy a great revival, that doesn't mean there couldn't be one, but what you need to know what the scripture does prophesy is there will be a defection at the end of the age. So, here is this prophecy in Thessalonians. And John put it this way. This is really a very specific verse. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. He said, It is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, They were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. John said there are many people who are in the church, and they went out, and they became part of the false gospel. He said they went out because they were never a part of us. They went out from us, but they were never of us. How many of you know that in our churches today, there are many people who are with us, but they're not from us. They're not of us. They come to church. They hang around the edges. They love the Excitement of the church. They love the joy of the church. They love the comfort of the church. But if they've never accepted Jesus Christ, they're not of the church. And it's possible just to be around the edges. And then the problem is when trouble really comes and stress comes, a lot of things are revealed that you would never imagine. In his Olivet Discourse, Jesus said this, and because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow old. How can this happen? How could anyone who has tasted the goodness of Christ in the church and the love of God, how could they ever fall away? Well, I'm going to give you three things that could happen, and I think they all are in play. Why do some people get discouraged and walk away from their faith? First of all, some people fall away because they're deceived. There are many deceivers out there today, can I get a witness? (laughs) But the most dangerous ones aren't the cheats who take our money, as bad as that is. There's a scam every day somewhere. But that's not the worst. It's the ones who operate in the spiritual realm. According to the Bible, spiritual deception will cause many to fall away from Christ in the days leading up to the end times. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says it this way. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. According to this passage of Scripture, there are unseen demonic forces that are operating in our world, enticing and deceiving people into abandoning a faith in Christ. Their influence, even in the church, will only increase as we draw near to the end of history. It's overwhelming to see the deception that's going on within the church. You can watch it. You can see it. Maybe it's touched you or your family. You've been victimized by it. The passage in First Timothy warns of false teachers who traffic in lies and hypocrisy. These men and women attempt to cause spiritual damage and to manipulate God's people for their own purposes. They're cold, they're callous, and they're calculating. And Paul says they don't even have a conscience anymore. It's been seared. They have lost moral sensitivity and their spiritual compasses are broken. That's the reason why some people fall away. They get caught up in a spiritual scam. Can they get a witness? We know people like that sometimes. We end up having to pick the pieces up from people who've been hurt like that. Well, this is pretty visceral, isn't it? And uh, I'm sure you're listening to this and thinking of situations that you know about and that you've wondered about. I don't know that we have the answers to all of them, but we do know. The Bible says this will be kind of epidemic in the days before the return of Christ. We'll finish this discussion tomorrow on the Friday edition of Turning Point, and I hope you will join us then. So, friends, I can't tell you enough times about my excitement for our Holy Land tour. Uh, When I did the study that you're going to hear later on in this series on Jerusalem, I was reminded again of the special thing that happens in my heart when I go to Israel, and especially when I walk the streets of Jerusalem. I can't wait to go back again, and I'm hoping you'll decide to go with us. We have uh, a lot of folks already registered, and we're going to have a great group which will be wonderful for our worship sessions. And that group will be broken down into bus-sized groups for most of the tour with captains and guides and people to pray with. And It's just a wonderful way to see God's wonderful place. The city of Jerusalem is God's city. That's why it's so exciting to go there. I hope you'll join us. Check it out on our website. We'll see you here
0: tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Where Do We Go From Here? Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Where Do We Go From Here? and learn how today's issues are linked to biblical prophecy. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Where Do We Go From Here? on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations we can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.
1: When the music legend Eric Clapton was fighting drug and alcohol addiction as a younger man, his breakthrough came when he learned to get down on his knees every morning and every night and ask for help to resist the powers of addiction. He wasn't a religious man, and still isn't. But when he asked for help, he got the help he needed. Should a non-Christian pray to God? I know this. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I would encourage anyone in need of help to humble himself before God and ask, and let God do the answering. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's generosity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.